Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, I'm Harmony, the host of the Finding Harmony podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast episodes. We love to read your comments and have you share on Instagram and read all of your little love notes and enter into the conversation and discussions that each of these episodes bring up. So thank you so much for your kind attention and for contributing and your energy. It's just such a pleasure to know that you're out there listening and enjoying these conversations as much as we enjoy having them with old friends and new friends. And I hope that you also feel like a friend of the program. If you'd like some very special bonus episodes of the Finding Harmony podcast, then I would encourage you to sign up and become an Inner Circle member. Uh, It's only $25 a month and you get additional podcast episodes, um, fun episodes that we are recording with our guests and they are released inside the membership each month. Um, I know you're going to love them. They're a lot of fun and a little bit different, shorter, maybe 20 minutes with each person and with Russell and I that we are offering to our inner circle members only. So little private inside members podcast. I hope that you will enjoy. You can sign up by going to harmonyslater-programs.com and you will get these special podcasts as well as a library of classes that you can practice along to to help supplement your personal practice or your Mysore practice. Many different workshops, some intro to intermediate classes as well as conferences, full primary, um, and some different types of lead classes like core strengthening or hip opening. Um, I hope that you find them all really helpful for your practice. Uh, You can also join when you're an inside member. It's all part of the membership, my weekly Mysore class on Friday, as well as our Yoga Sutra study group and Pranayama enchanting class that's held monthly. So I look forward to seeing you inside the membership. There's really no drawbacks, only benefits to joining. And I want to see you inside. So get on over to harmonyslater-programs.com and become a member today. And our guest today is such a beautiful human being. He's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet, Jens Baca. He is sharing with us his experience of the practice, over 25 years of practice, and all of those 25 years of practice have primarily been focused on primary series. Despite that, he has hosted Guruji, uh, Sri K. Patabi Joyce, and Sharatji, Paramagandhi, guru uh, in Copenhagen numerous times and is a very devout student. He right now um, has a master's in Indianology um, and is crossing cultures between the Danish and Indian cultures. He has so much uh, wealth of knowledge to share his past career as an engineer and his story of learning the practice and just continuing to practice opening the first truly Ashtanga Yoga Mysore style school in Copenhagen and running that school for 18 years 
Jens Baka is probably one of the most devoted students of Ashtanga Yoga that I know and an excellent teacher. And I'm sure you're just going to love listening to all of his wonderful stories and his beautiful personality here on this episode today. And I'd encourage you to join Jens along with senior certified teacher Eddie Stern in a very interesting discussion that they will be having on February 11th. This discussion is hosted by the Yoga Shala Stockholm online. You can find all the information at yogashalastockholm.se. They're having a great discussion about the cultural disparity between the meaning of yoga in India versus in the West. And looking at some of Jens's research for his bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Copenhagen, which was a cross-cultural studies, a degree in Indianology, as I mentioned. Uh, the central theme of his research focused on the question of what seems to be the unresolved dilemma between the Western concept of empirical historical versus the Indian belief in one eternal truth or more circular time versus linear time. It's a really fun and wonderful way to listen to both Jens and Eddie Stern uh, talk about some of the stories of yoga, history, or myth. And I would encourage you to join. You can find all the information in our show notes. And again, it will be a discussion um, on Zoom held online on February 11th. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am here with Russell Case. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I've decided, Harmony, um, and you, we, can, we can argue this, that we're a, we're a Sunday morning show. <laughs> and that we should be uh, chipper and and bright in our in our demeanor because people are listening to this on Sunday morning and they want a uh, a bright you know Sunday cheerful uh, attitude from us. That's a, that's a good idea. Normally, I think we're quite dour. I don't think so. <laughs> well, we're here with one of the nicest human beings on the planet it's today. It's true. What a nice Sunday morning <laughs> podcast we're going to have. All the way from Denmark, we are here with Jens Baka. Hi, Jens. Hi, Harmony. Hi, Russell. Hello, How are sir. you? No, I'm good. I'm good. Good. <laughs> so, How's Copenhagen? Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah. Copenhau. Oh, say it again. Copenhau. Say it again, please. Copenhau. Copenhau. Wow. Wow, my goodness. We have to refine our pronunciation. Well, you know, we had Tim Feldman on the show a few months ago, and I think he probably also went through the pronunciation again with us, but we didn't get it right. No, that was over a year ago. Oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Time is something malleable and fluid, I think. Yep. <laughs> and you know the older we get we don't understand where it goes right yeah yeah well i have a little intro for our listeners for valerie swift who runs the finding harmony um what do you call it podcast the fan club podcast fan club um <laughs> she's going to want to write this down if you have a pen and paper um Jens is one of the founders of, and you have to forgive me with the pronunciation. It's very fine. Ashtanga Yoga Skole Kubenhaven, which he still owns and manages. Is that how you pronounce that? 
Yeah, I mean, you can also just say Astanga Yoga School of Copenhagen or Astanga Yoga of Copenhagen. But that would be in that would be in English. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, it would be like Astanga Yoga School Copenhagen. School Copenhagen. Jens has translated, as he's doing just now, uh, the Sri K. Patabi Joyce book Yoga Mala into Danish, and one of the masterminds behind the documentaries Guruji in uh, Kopenhau and uh, Sharat in Copenhagen. <laughs> Jens studies Indology, the teaching about Indian history, literature, and philosophy and culture at the Copenhagen University, supervised by Professor Kenneth Zisk. Uh, Jens, where where in the world are you today? Are you in, are you in Denmark? Yes, I am on... Uh... Frederiksberg, that is the part of Copenhagen where I'm from. Oh, and is is that south or north or what? No, it's in, it's 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 inside. It's like a, a separate uh, city within Copenhagen. Mm, okay. So so oh. you know, if, if we are from there, we feel a little bit special because we are not Copenhageners. We are something more, or advanced. Something right? more. Yeah. You're very special people. Are you the chosen no, people? I, I I guess we all think we are like that, but it's a little <laughs> bit like, you know, if you if we are from Frederiksberg and people they ask us, you know, we don't say, I'm from Copenhagen. I say I'm from Frederiksberg. No, so it's a little bit like, I don't know. I don't, is it the same like if people ask somebody like, are you from New York? They say I'm from New York City or I'm from Manhattan. Yeah, that's right. I'm from Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. That's right. They do say that. Or they say, I'm from Calgary. Yeah. 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 Nobody <laughs> says that. The west side, Calgary, or what? That's right. The northwest side. That's exactly. Where do you live in Calgary? The northwest side. That's, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where all of the working class electricians live. Yeah. No. That's yeah, where yeah. we live. Oh, it's, it's very yeah. mixed here. It's not, uh, but there's a nice... Uh, atmosphere here it's it i mean i'm like from where i am in 15 minutes i will be right in the center of copenhagen but on the other side i have uh, uh, villas with gardens and i have a view and uh, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the edge or whatever you would say you know, on, nice. on the border between did did you did the bach family live there for generations yeah that is an interesting question huh? Um, I was going to ask you if you were related to the great realist painter Otto Baca. Not, not directly, but we are only 300 people in Denmark with that last name. So, somehow, so you're very much related, yeah. No, no, but I cannot say, yeah, it's my great-great-grand-uncle or something like that. No, this right. I cannot say. Okay. Um, my, uh, both my father and my mother's family, they come from the west side of the island that Copen where Copenhagen is on the east side. Okay. But if I go back, well, this is like uh, 250 years or something, then it seems like uh, one of my great-grandfathers was born in in the part of Copenhagen, where which is now the Royal Palace. 
Oh, okay. mm-hmm. and, and, uh, he was at that time the king. That king in that period was uh, he didn't run the country. He was just uh, into parties and ladies and all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> so they had um, I don't know what it's called in English, but they had somebody like a nobleman to run the country, and yeah, my yeah. grandfather was the was working for him. He was the, how do you say, the, uh, the, the, the name is hotel partner. It means that the big mansion they were living in was also named like a hotel. Oh. And he was then the person letting in people in and out. Uh. Um, and I guess that from that time also the spelling comes because at that time the the nobility of Denmark and uh, the, how can you say, all the upper class, they all had, uh, they came from the northern part of Germany. So I guess my, the spelling of my name, either it has some origin in Germany, or maybe the spelling was a little bit uh, alterated at that time, because they, this is my idea. I have no proof. Okay. But, uh, oh, interesting. It, it means the valley of a small stream in Danish, Baka. Mm, well, it could be in Bic, but it would be spelled in another way. Ah, okay. Bic, okay. Does it have a meaning in Danish? That's what I looked up. I looked up. Yeah, well, I'm said. asking him. He probably knows. No, but that's what Google said. <laughs> <laughs> so you found me on Google? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't know. There are if the, the pronunciation uh, could be spelled in different ways. Could be spelled with two Ks or two Gs, or the way we spell it with CH. Yeah. And in this way, of course, it's interesting that uh, you know, when we study Indian literature, you no, know, then it's also very much oral traditions. Mm. And when we go back in our own history, of course, also things become less uh, written. No, it becomes mm-hmm, more. That's right. Yeah, so people... I, I guess at one point, you know, what is your name? My name is, and then you know, I people remember wrote down... I'm coming to my son. No, Guruji yeah. said to me, "What's your name?" Jens. Mm, say again, Jens. Ah, and then he wrote in Canada. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what he wrote? Who knows what <laughs> he wrote? Yeah. Yeah, how he spelled it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know, right. I guess that, you know, if you go several hundred years back, then uh, maybe the priest was the one who could write. So if you came and said, what's your name? Oh, you know, like yeah. my great-grandfather's name was uh, Nils Jensen. And so his son becomes Jens Nielsen. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah. everybody had something that was making them a little bit distinguished from the others. So maybe... Barke was that, but maybe, you know, who knows how they spelled it. Maybe it has been, I don't know. So so maybe it has this kind of, that they were working for nobility, so they had a little bit of taking a little bit uh, to make it a little bit more posh or whatever. No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, you're, you're Danish nobility, basically, then. Well, yeah. He's, you're the scion of the, of the <laughs> Danish royalty. For sure. well, I don't know. If you rub with them long enough, something will stick, no? But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting you said that, you know, one of them was interested in, in ruling. Because um, it seems like 
only very rarely do the do the aristocracy have an interest in ruling. Mostly, they have an interest in um, deviant sexual behavior. That's um, any student yeah. of history could tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just I just finished, or I'm midway in this history of um, the um, uh, the Romanov family. Um, by Montefi, uh, Montefiore, and it's it's just relentless. Uh, the 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 partying, I guess, is a way is a way of um, of saying it. But it's 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 they were either you know having wild sex orgies or they were cutting off people's heads. It was just de- depended on the day what they were into. Because very rarely were they interested in ruling. Or you know, <laughs> nation building um, in the in the three hundred years of their of their uh, dynasty, um, and so I'm sure the very that was very very similar to the the Baca experience in Denmark. But what we want to get down to is um, uh, how you ended up studying Indology and and getting into yoga. Um, it's it seems that you know looking at um, your LinkedIn page, that uh, your life had a particular arc, and then suddenly it was thrown off. The vectors were disrupted uh, by yoga, and it seems really very sad and tragic for you. <laughs> and I just want to kind of dig into it a little bit. Uh, when did we all meet? Did we meet? In, I, you went to Mysore in 2003? I think I, that, you met him in 2003. Was we that, met in 2004. We all met on that first trip. Is that right? Yeah. I, I remember, uh, like, you, like you said, do I remember uh, Olaf? And yes, I remember that period. If it was 2003 or four, I don't remember. But yes. Yeah, At they the were time when there were no people in the shala, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were like thirty or forty of us, and I was—you uh, may remember me as Underpants Boy, <laughs> um, the one who brought just underpants to, to yoga. And uh, I was—I was thinking of Olaf, and I was as I was writing down about two thousand three and asking this question of when you went and and remembering Mark Yao and Olaf Kalfas and how magnificent they were. And they were just like, they were like little quasi deities, demigods in the room that were doing these fantastic things. And we were just kind of, you and I were just kind of rolling around on our mat in comparison. Yeah, that was, that was a, I mean, it was, it had a little bit that, how do you call it? Like it's spring, no? Spring. It's a little bit like, I mean, for me, it was an adventure. No, I've never been to India, and uh, uh, I like the the simplicity. No, Gokulam was quiet. Uh, I remember on the first trip, uh, you know, we could not get anything in Gokulam. No, we could buy a little bit of fruit, and we can get some some gas for the stove, but uh, there was nothing. It was medieval. Yeah, yeah I, 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 and I loved it because it was so simple. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember everyone had to go to Nilgiri's market? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, to get like, that was like the big the big market. And the was, big grocery it store. It was like tiny. It was about the size yeah. of our living room. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if that was right next door to Nowpax. 
that no, right? No. Oh, the other it one. It was the other one. The first. It was that one on Hunter Road, right? Out yeah. on Hunter Road, yeah. yeah. I remember that the first time to get to send an email, we had to go all the way to... Was it uh, Saraswati oh, yeah. Puram or something like that? Saraswati Puram. Oh, back in the old. To, to Dishnet. Yeah. Dishnet. Yeah, yeah I, I've been to Dishnet. Yeah. There was the, then the next year they opened up the the, the internet right next to uh, Gokul Chats. Yeah, but that was you're... in 2004. Yeah. Uh, but that first year, yeah, you had to go to Dishnet and Saraswati Puram. Yeah, yeah. And that's where uh, Venkatesh had his backbending course. Yeah. But it didn't help me. Oh, okay. Did you go to that? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Hamish uh, admonished me and he said, Don't you dare study with another teacher. I was like, But I could really use a backbend because it's pretty clear already that the backbenders have special treatment. <laughs> and I'm not getting that special treatment here. Did you get any special treatment for your backbend, Jens? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing for you. No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I'm very simple. I'm just practicing the primary, and then when I'm good, I get help with the back bends. But uh, nothing, no fancy adjustments. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, why did you why did you decide to go in two thousand? What what happened to you that you decided to go to India? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we were running the the yoga shala here in Copenhagen, and. Um, Susanna had been talking about uh, that she had been to Mysore already in 95, 96. And, this uh, is Susanna Finocchi, who was your yeah, partner yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, we had opened a school here in Copenhagen in the summer 2000 with Gwendolyn Hunt. Yeah. And then uh, next summer... Guruji was going to go to Finland. So he was going to be in Finland August, I think August or September 2001. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Susanna and I went, and of course with the, with the, with the usual crew, no? Uh, <laughs> uh, Johan Petri in, in, in Finland and also... Yeah, Johan and Petri. And, and then suddenly I was just in crowd because I was suddenly connected right. to them. So I was, you know, suddenly we had an afternoon in, in their little shala where Guruji came and gave a special talk. And, uh, oh, wow. Um, so at that time, then suddenly things, they started to be more... You know, I always loved the practice, and uh, it was very interesting to be involved in organizing a school. And you ask what happened to my career, and I was a little bit on and off in my career. I did not really find the motivation anymore. And then I just liked to do yoga, and suddenly there was this, the skills that I had was in what do you say in deficit or was lacking in, in, in among the people who wanted to do yoga and suddenly yeah. I could see a way to combine it, no? Yeah. Uh, Great dearth of skills in that yoga. And, and, and then this uh, from 2000, 2001, suddenly I was getting into this, it just happened. And then of course having met Guruji and his family, Sharati Saswati was there in in Helsinki, then uh, at one point we were gonna go to my again. So and then, well, I never got to go to the old Shala, but then we went 2003, and it was the first season at uh, in Gokulam. 
Yeah. I think I must have arrived uh, right after I graduated school in May. When were you there? June. June, May. Oh, okay, yeah. So we we were there right in the same month. Yeah. Kind of figuring our way around. And and, yeah. and Charlotte, he was traveling, right? He was in yeah, that's right. In Virginia and, Sarah, and Greece or something, no? And New York as well, because I had seen him the weekend before I I arrived in Mysore. Um, uh, Eddie had introduced him in New York, and uh, I asked him about a place to stay, and he said, "Talk to my mother." And so I arrived and spoke to Saraswati, and she got me a place across the street. And then I was practicing with Saraswati uh, and Guruji, of course. But yeah, yeah, no, that was beautiful. That was like twenty people in the shala, or something. Twenty. That's right. Yeah. And then Sharat arrived in July, and like a whip cracked in the room, and everybody was doing the correct thing suddenly. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know that you couldn't stretch before your practice. I didn't know that. You know, and then he's like, I'm the only one. I, re I realized I was the only one stretching on my mat before doing my sun salutations. And I was like, normally there's a lot more stretching in here. <laughs> and then Sharat was yelling in the office. Stretch. Hey, hey, yes. start. I'm like, whoa, what the, what is this? Stretching before the stretching. <laughs> I'm trying to warm up here. This is four, it's four in the morning. You know, man. Oh, I guess we had left already. We, I mean, we were only there for one month. Oh, okay. So you weren't there when Sharat came back? No, no. Like a like a whirlwind. Okay. <laughs> those were those were fun days. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to remember back now and see how much that actually at the first time it just feels like visiting, but then it was like a new opening up a new adventure, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And you kept going back year after year, Jens. Yeah, it was like um I mean, I always felt very welcome there. I always felt, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it was like, um, I enjoyed it. I uh, felt good. There were so many nice people and like you too, no? And, <laughs> yeah, but really. It feels like a home away from home almost. Yeah. 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 And yeah. the more times you go back, you know, the more people we get to know, uh, and it just takes a few hours, a little sleep after arrival, and then, you know, we're there, no? Yeah. 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 So, uh, no, and uh, it's always been like uh, coming back is like new energy, new enthusiasm, new kind of radiance that uh, is also an inspiration for the students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting it's it's lovely to speak to um the scandinavians they're so wonderfully modest about their their experience um it's so bizarre to me because my family is scandinavian and yet they they will not stop um talking about themselves and it's, just, <laughs> it's something very weird happened when they they moved to america um i i wanted to ask you a bit a bit more about how how this change happened for you this transformation maybe that's what we, we were kicked out because we we wouldn't stop talking our talking ourselves that's up. right they yeah, got yeah. rid of you they got Sweden. rid of us yeah okay. like these people don't fit in yeah, we don't fit in here yeah <laughs> but it says here that you went to the Denmark's Technics uh universitat yeah how do you say that Denmark's Technics Universitat. 
That's close. University. University. Yeah, the technical university. You read production logistics, and your final thesis was in logistics. Yeah, I have a a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. That is my Mm -hmm. first education. And that that would explain why uh, and how you could... You could manage to get the Joyce family to uh, to Finland and to Denmark and back in one piece. That's good. <laughs> it's a feat of engineering for the sure. Feat, it's a feat of engineering. I I just well, I just wonder if um you had a very different life planned sure. uh, for yourself. I, I think for a lot you know a lot of us, as you said in the in the Mysore and the yoga community, we you know, in the arts, we kind of just float around in a dream time of experience waiting for the Tao to indicate our next move. (laughs) But um, I think probably like Harmony, you're much more regulated, like you have a plan, and you go through that plan. But then there was this, this disruption for you. And um, I was going to ask you about that. I think you were you were doing um, some some advanced work in Berkeley, you were studying uh, more of this logistics yeah. uh, in Berkeley, and then you, you accidentally were dragged into a yoga class. Well, first of all, I have to say that if we do the Astanka pra- practice, we are all very regulated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of us need that, yeah. Yeah, That's right. Right. yeah, we all need that, but for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And we pick things up from the practice uh, that kind of help us to get into balance. No? So, mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, you know, it's, um, well, I used to say it like this. Yes, you're very right that I had, uh, or I don't know, I, I guess I grew up. And as you also, I think you mentioned on the introduction that, uh, or you asked a question, something like, if my father was an engineer, yes, he was an engineer. And, uh, yeah. and, um, I guess I never doubted that I would also become an engineer, but I was going to decide what kind of engineer I was. No, so, mm. <laughs> um, so I used to say like this, that when I get old, I can do golf, I can play golf, and I can do yoga. No? Mm. I just yeah. didn't know that I matured so fast. No? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I had a career. I was, uh, you know, doing the the usual business career. I have a, a degree in engineering, but I also have a degree in international business. No? Mm. So, um, and for, of course for this, I was getting into industrial companies. I was getting into management uh, and uh, I had been working in Germany for four and a half years uh, as a sales manager. Mm-hmm. But I burned out. No, I was, uh, and it was hard work. Uh, I mean, if you're stationed abroad, then you are there because of work, and that just, you know, if, when you're a little bit bored, you work a little bit extra. No, so it's like there's yeah. no end to how much you work. Hmm? Yeah. So I burned out, and um, uh, a long story. I was not happy with my new boss, and da, 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 da. so eventually. I talked to the to the director in Denmark, and he said, "Okay, Jens, it's time for you to come home." Yeah. And and then the the, the CEO of the, it was a steel company, you know, the producing steel. So actually, I know a lot about steel, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. 
Were they bigger than U.S. steel? No, 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 no. It was just a small one. But you know, yeah. these kind of companies, they tend to have their own structure and what they focus mm-hmm. on, and you know. But at the end, this is where it comes. This chef uh, consulate. Yeah, yeah. You are a chef consulate, so you also yeah, you like to cook. It, no, because it means no. just head head consultant. Oh, chief, but it says yeah. chef. Yeah, because oh. probably I've written it in Danish, no. But but this was when I got home, so I uh, I got to work for for the CEO developing uh, a business plan for new subsidiaries. Hmm. So all this was in the back of my head, where I eventually saw the possibility. Hey, yoga! I love yoga. Beautiful people. We need to get organized. Was I already had all the ideas, no? Mm-hmm. I just had to put them into action. No? <laughs> yeah, and you knew studying production logistics how to put it into action. There was a structure there that you understood, and you say, "Well, this, these are the things that we need if we're going to put our our process into place." Yeah, I had the ideas inside my head, but then sometimes you also need to speak to people who has you know, who understands what it is that I'm talking about. And this didn't happen. So at the end, I also had to do it myself because you know, they just like to, I mean, they were super nice people. It's not at all like that, but, but, but I ended up being responsible for all administration and all planning and things like that. No, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the, the Mysore, the Mysore Shala in Denmark and yeah. also for the, 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 the tour stops for the family. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, of course, there are. I have also learned a lot, especially from Juha in Finland, and also we've been working with uh, with Hamish in London. And uh, but of course, you learn on the way, and uh, uh, to 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 be the host of uh, of the family, you know, you have to, you know, Russell. No, you just have to yeah. put yourself with there hundred percent, and then you find out. But yeah. you have to be prepared that everything can change in an instant. No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you plan for everything, and then they say, "Actually, I would like a, I would like a smoothie now." I was like, "Oh, then everything, everything yeah. changes now if you want a smoothie." So we yeah. have to go. So we have to yeah. do something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would like to go on the balloon ride now. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let's let's. We yeah. have to get you on a balloon then. We have to find a balloon. Yeah. There's a process to to acquiring <laughs> a balloon, and then we have to get the vehicle to get you to the balloon, and then. Yeah. Everything else has to change. I, I uh, Kimberly Flynn, who is a, a friend of the show, she once said to me, probably she said it to you as well. We were all friends. Never host the family. <laughs> never do that. And I've hosted the family five times now. Uh, three at Stanford. Harmony was a great help for two of those. Um, twice I hosted the family in, in Las Vegas. All on my own, um, which is with, with an unlimited budget. I well, of <laughs> course, I'm going to budget appropriately. Um, but you know, I was also I was the driver, the babysitter, the uh, the manager, the organizer, the concierge. Yeah. Um, I uh, the food deliverer. You know, you have to do all these jobs all at the same time. The one-stop problem solution. Problem solver. Problem (laughs) solutions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a division. Problem solutions of my own mind. And I, but I thought to myself as I was looking at you and realizing, you know, what your career really was, 
is that if there's anyone in our community that could make it work and make it profitable, <laughs> it would be you. Because that's the thing. You lose thousands, thousands of dollars hosting the family because you just, it's the budget is actually um, takes a toll. Did you find that? Did you find that you could ever make it work? Yeah, I think we made it work here. But but also because we we worked on a tour. No, we worked together all the all the stops. No, so we coordinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. All the stops. You're sharing costs. But 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 of course things they can like. I remember first time they were coming. Uh, they were gonna make a stop in France, and then they were gonna come here, and then they would continue to Helsinki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they went to London after, probably. But probably, yeah. I mean, a week before, Charity still didn't have the visa. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's always those visas. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, of course, okay. In case he could not travel, at least Guruji would come. But you know, things like that that can suddenly you knock any kind of uh, well prepared uh, plan. You know, you're just upside down. No. Mm -hmm. And. Um, and and but in this way, when things they run according to plan, I you know I'm ready to host Sharaji anytime, no problem. No. Well, and, if it's uh, if it's right plan. Well, well, you never know. Then I have just to make it the plan, no. But uh, but I would say that hosting Guruji and the family is one of the greatest moments of my life. No? Oh, that's wow. very different from Kimberly Flynn. That's interesting. <laughs> Can you can you can you tell us why it is one of the greatest experiences? And maybe you can you tell us can you illustrate the process for us? How does it what does it look like to plan for something like that? Well, in the beginning, it's just a big wish, no? Yeah, uh, a dream. Yeah, it's just a dream, and uh, you never think it's going to happen. And uh, uh, the first time Susanna and I we went to Mysore, we had actually before we left. We had put up a paper in the Shala saying, um, you know, we are going to go to Mysore. We want to invite Guruji to come to Copenhagen. Please write your name on the list if you want to participate in a workshop with Guruji. You know? Right. Yeah. And in uh, then you know who your market is at that point. Yeah, we wanted to know if do they really want to support us if we do this? And in mm. three, four weeks, we had 150 names. Wow. Right. So you know you have a market. Yes. Yeah. But the best thing was when, when we registered in in, in, in Mysore, uh, Guruji asked, oh, where are you from? Ah, oh, Copenhagen. Ah, oh, Copenhagen. Oh, no, he didn't know. No. And then I put the papers on the chair and I said, yes, Guruji, we would like you to come. I don't know if it was the first time, but the, or it was the first time, but I don't know if it was the day we registered. But I put the papers in front of him and I said, Oh, Guruji, we would like to invite you to Copenhagen. Look, all the students, they want to see you, no? And first you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started to turn the pages and see how many people had signed up. That was the yeah. first little, you know, you plant a seed. No? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nice. I remember when I took Sharat to Stanford the second time, he said to me, uh, will there, um, uh, are there a lot of students or the same as before? <laughs> I'm not marketing this very well. I think I'm not no, demonstrating it, the market. Yeah. yeah. But you know, also this in this way, you know, I don't know, but but Copenhagen is uh, it's a city, but it's not a big city. No, and at that time, 
uh, we had just started the school five years earlier, six years earlier, and uh, it was a little bit, I guess, the same uh, like you also had in America, maybe five, ten years earlier. No, that some mm-hmm. stanga was the thing. No, but, yeah, that's yeah. right. But here there was nothing else. So anything in Copenhagen that had to do with a yoga practice, people, they came to us. So the first years of of the school here, the shala here, we were just, I mean, when I remember that when we got to Christmas, we were just flat. We we could hardly move anymore. And we had all the time, all the time, all the time. So... And 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 uh, in the early days, we also worked with uh, with Lino from Rome, so we had a pretty good concept. Yeah, so we had a pretty good concept of the vinyasa counting, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Very uh, very different, but very very important to him. Yeah, at least there was a structure, no? Um, yeah. So uh, when Guruji arrived here, and this is a funny story. I, can I tell the story? Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had first been in Helsinki 2001 and then two already in Helsinki, you know, they said, uh, oh, and then next time we also come to Copenhagen or I don't know if it was Juha who said it to them. No. And then next time you also have to come to Copenhagen. And I was like, what? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then uh, we were in Mysore 2005 for his 90th birthday. And uh, there was um, the agreement made that he should come to Copenhagen. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember coming to Guruji's house upstairs, and there was uh, in the living room was sitting all the old students, no, Samila, <laughs> and da, 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 and you come in and you're like, mm, you become very small when you sit in the sofa next to all the. Yeah. yeah. But there the agreement was made, and then they would come next year. I don't know if something happened in between because I think. Guruji and his family were on tour in America, maybe 2000, and there was something that Sharati's father died and they had to go back. Yeah, and they had yeah. to go back, that's right. So, so, but at least 2006, they were planned to come here. First, they were going to go to a woman called Jenny in, uh, in France. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have, I didn't know her, I didn't have much contact with her, but I was just checking that. And she was the one like the week before, oh, Saturday doesn't have the passport. Okay. <laughs> we were like, okay, it's good that it's not our job to get the visa and hopefully blah, blah, blah. No. And then, uh, you know, we were preparing everything here and we found a nice apartment, which is actually the same street where I live. Huge apartment for all three. That's of helpful. Them. Yeah. And then we were here home Thursday evening. They were supposed to arrive Saturday, no? So we were home here Thursday evening. I guess it was eight o'clock. We were tired, but we like, okay, we have everything under control. They can arrive, no problem, no? The phone rang. Susanna went to take the phone and she said, What? <laughs> uh oh. That's not and, good. That's not a good sound. No, no, no. And then it was Juha from Helsinki. He called and he said, Hello. Now don't get scared. But they're going to come tomorrow, not Saturday. They come tomorrow. No? Yep. <laughs> yep. Been there. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I had to get the lady with the apartment. And she said, oh, no problem. I was actually just here cleaning up. It's ready. You can come tomorrow. Oh, good. We went to the airport. <laughs> <Thank goodness. laughs> 
instead yeah. of having a, a, a big van rented, we just took a cab, everything booked. We installed them. We went out shopping for the groceries. Da da da. They were fine. They were happy. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then on Saturday we took them around town, and they were a little bit sick, and they were a little bit quiet. And you know, I didn't know them that well, so in the beginning it feels a little bit strange, and you're just a sure, driver yeah. and trying to do. And then we picked them up Sunday morning. We went to this place. It's a beautiful hall. Uh, it's a round one with glass, so the light is fantastic. Um, we came in, and as soon as, as we came in, everybody just were completely silent. <laughs> they stood up in silence, in total silence. Guruji mm-hmm. took off his jacket, looked around, you know, I took off my jacket, I got to my mat, and my, the hair on my arms were like, oh. Oh, and yeah. he was completely silent. He just looked from left to right, all the people all aligned, and he just, summer city, no? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That, Again, that was, Scandinavia is very quiet. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, during the week, it was just that, it felt that they relaxed. It felt that they were excited about being in Copenhagen, uh, mm. and it was a fantastic uh, week. So that's uh, amazing. I remember I asked Saraswati once where her favorite place was that she ever went on tour, that she ever visited around the world, and she said Copenhagen. Oh, <laughs> oh that's nice. very Thank nice to hear. Yeah. So you made a good impression, that's for sure. She yeah. said, "Oh, it's very nice city, very nice people." Uh, now when it wow. was it was really you know and and also all all the students uh, they were so supportive and uh, mm-hmm. you know there is also a beautiful video and I'm so proud of it but because people they move according to to Guruji's count no it's uh, yeah. yeah I remember I was um the day before the first tour stop at Stanford uh Sharat was coming by himself I believe and um, and I wanted to get a massage because I was really very stressed. And I thought, I'll get a massage the day before he arrives, and that'll be helpful. You know, I, and I went into the room, and I was getting a massage. And by the time I had come out, I had something like 54 text messages from everyone. Andrew, Sonia, and... and um, everyone, Salima, everyone had been texting me. Where are you? Sharat has arrived. I was like, what? No, he's coming tomorrow. So no, no, he's at the airport. He's waiting for someone to pick him up. It's like, oh my God. And we got Robbie Cavallero because he was, you know, five minutes from the airport. He drove down there and picked Sharat up. Total surprise to him. And now, you know, he's just, Robbie didn't even know where to take him. You know, he's just in the car with Sharat trying to figure out where to go next. It was just like, <laughs> all in the space of 60 minutes this disaster had unfolded like how do you and then um andrew refused to admit it for like for days but finally it was his fault it came down to (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean i i'm just saying that uh, when people ask me i say just have to put yourself there 100 percent no yeah Mm -hmm. and you have to be so well prepared that when they are actually here there's only one thing you focus on, and that is them. And, yeah, and, that's right. 
to, to make them feel comfortable, they need to know that we are there hundred percent for them. You know? So uh, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent available. I I still I have one regret that I was I was in a Cirque du Soleil with them, and you know I've been working like nineteen hour days, you know, four or five days in a row. I'm in Vegas. I'm just like exhausted. Yeah. And, you know, one benefit is that I also got to do the events with them, which probably, I don't know, made them a little uncomfortable, but also like, at least there's a, someone who's always there. And I just sat down, I slumped into my chair at the Cirque du Soleil and it was magnificent. I was like, this is, a, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This, and Sharat leans over to me and says, maybe you can get some popcorn for us now. <laughs> And I just like, and I just like my whole, I couldn't hide it. My exhaustion and disappointment and just like my frustration revealed itself in my face. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. It's fine. But I still like I, in the, in the back of my mind, I still regret the resistance <laughs> in that moment. Like I should have jumped up to get the popcorn. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. <laughs> it, it, like, you know, from when they arrive until they leave is just one long moment, no? In, yeah. In between, you have that, you come home at night, you put the head on the pillow, two seconds later, you wake up again and you go, yeah. no? That's yeah. right. Exactly. There's, And if you can get, you know, a practice in, that's great. Uh, <laughs> in Vegas, I couldn't get a practice in. There was no practicing. Because there was no tour. There's tour no tour stop. stop. It was yeah, just it was just go fun go. Fun stop. <laughs> go to yeah. There, I have another funny story about. I'm not sure I've told this before, but um, um, it was like two in the afternoon, and we were taking them from one place to another place, and they didn't like the. I kept hearing like we don't like the food, you know. And I found the South Indian restaurant. We we're going to the South Indian restaurant. And I found it and they said, oh, this is, it was like a hole in the wall with it, that, but had idlis and dosas. And I, that we discovered it was a miracle. <laughs> and we're in there, we're eating, everyone's, and this place is, is fine. It's very good. You know, it's like, okay. And, um, you know, he had asked me early in the week, we need uh, one place that is full veg and no meat has ever been cooked on the, on the, uh, the plates and, and pans. <laughs> I stopped the car and I turned to him and I said, look, you will not find that in this city. <laughs> it is not possible. This is a place where all of America goes on vacation to eat meat. There is no place here like that. And he said, oh, okay. But then we found one. <laughs> it was just like, for tickets. So we, we go into this full veg South Indian restaurant and um pure veg what did i say full veg is it not full veg no it's pure veg pure veg pure veg uh, I understood. I understood. and uh he said oh this is the first time we've eaten today it's like what no we have not eaten because there's nothing to eat you know it was like what and the whole family you know um uh, sambhav and and uh, shruti and Shraddha, they're all there like none of you have eaten it's a no why didn't you use uh, room service? Said, no, no, no. It's too much, too much money. It's like, oh my God. I said to Sharat in that moment, I said, if Salima finds out that you have not eaten breakfast tomorrow from room service, she will cut off one of my fingers. Okay. 
And the next morning I went to pick them up in the room and the room was full of French fries and uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. I was so happy. <laughs> but the food is always an issue, no? Yeah, it's, it's all you just have. I don't know. You just have to do your best, and then you find out, and then suddenly they they find something they like, and then do you, oh. and you do that every day. Yeah, once they just, find something you like, yeah, yeah, you just do your best, and at the end, you know, this is what they notice. No, yeah. Yeah. you do your best. I, I was thinking something, Russell. I remember you in Helsinki, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, it was a great trip. I remember because uh, I took the photos of you. you know? Yeah. You know, remember you were doing lead intermediate? Yeah, I have uh, those photos on my Facebook still, my Instagram. Yeah, he came over to you and said, move over. No? Yeah, off your mat. The mat. And then he just did Kantavasana like, do 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 Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I said to him, you want me to do now? He said, no. <laughs> and so the photo of Saraswati, Guruji, and Sharat on the mat, and me sitting there kneeling, that's your photo. Yeah. Oh, it's on my Instagram right now. I think it's yeah. on your Facebook. But also my Instagram. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And I was not sure if I was allowed to take the photos, but nobody were kind of like, so I took the chance because I thought it was uh, a great moment, no? Wow. I don't even know how I got those photos, but I have a stack of them. And I don't know who, I guess you must have given them to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, think I, don't, I don't remember now, but I think I sent them to you. Yeah. yeah. I remember the photographer who must have been you and Lino and I think Hane, because her back is so messed up. The three of you sitting in the grandstands, it was like an audience, just the three of you in thousands of seats. And we're, and we're <laughs> in the gymnasium you know, 400 yeah. fins, yeah. Yeah. dead quiet. Yeah. yeah. And just doing the practice. And we stopped at um, Nakrasana. And uh, I said, to, I was right in the front row. And I said to Guruji, like, we're doing the next posture. I was like, why, why are backbends? And they both turned and glared at me. <laughs> Shirat and Guruji, like, huh? I'm like, oh shit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I said anything. <sighs> yeah, uh, no, but it was. Uh... Oh, I was just impressed with all of you. I was just sitting there, and then I was like, you know, these are moments. What do I do? Okay, I try to take up the camera. If they don't look bad at me, okay, I just try to take a few photos. And then suddenly this thing happened, no? Yeah. With the Kandavasana. So uh, I just wanted yeah. to say to you this day because you wrote, if I remember you, yeah, I remember you. So. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he does something in Karnadavasana that I can't do, and I've never done. And I know some people have tried to emulate it. Uh, I think my thighs are too fat. <laughs> but um, he keeps his, his, his uh, upper arms um, perfectly straight and At 90. perpendicular to the ground. And I could never do that. My arms are always f almost flat bent you know, almost like my shoulders are touching the ground when I bring my knees down. And then I push up from there. But he doesn't. Everything is with yeah, the bandha. Yeah. He is Mahabanda, no? And it's impossible. It's a it's incredible it's I mean he has, you know, stick legs, but it's it's just so impossible to emulate that I 
I've never gotten anywhere close to that. And I've, and I've wondered why he even let me go past. At the same time, I said to him one time, uh, Sharachi, um, you know, many of the women in the room cannot do Karandavasana. I don't know why you let them do third series. And you could feel like this hatred and groan in the room as all the women turned and looked at me. No, 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 they, they can't do it. Why, why are they allowed to do third series? Like, obviously these women can't do it. And he was just like, he just like put his head in his hands. It was like Russell with his sense of humor. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we get too much into trouble. If, uh, <laughs> if we're not careful about how we say things. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's that, that selfishness that uh, defined me as an American. It's like, ah, here it is again. Speaking of asana, yeah. I, uh, I have a question for you, Jens. Um, you know, because you've been practicing for a long time now, 20, over 22 years. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> 25 almost, I think. Almost 25 yeah. years, right? And, yeah. and you're very dedicated practicing daily i know you you're always doing it very dedicated to shabbat <laughs> and the family had a studio very dedicated exactly to the family and to to everything but how did it feel because because you as you say your practice is more primary series i know you do a little bit of intermediate series at times but how do you feel like because over 25 years, there's been people who like start and then they like just like skyrocket and, f- and finish, start and finish. <laughs> yeah, past, <laughs> past where where you've been practicing at. How how does that feel for you? What what keeps you motivated and keeps you practicing daily when you feel like when you see all these people like you know that are maybe more flexible or more younger or <laughs> i don't know they win all of these laurels and yeah. prizes and... I, yeah this is i mean for me when i started to do yoga like this it was like um the first time i tried yoga was in berkeley and uh, you know i had i had found out that um I was not happy in my professional career. So I quit, uh, even if I was working for for the CEO and everything, you know, because that, of course, is the next step before you become you know, CEO. They one of the companies that you plan, then you're going to be the manager of that company, you know. Mm-hmm. And I found out I'm not going to be happy in this. I'm going to be lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to be lonely anymore. Um, so I went to Berkeley. I started business administration just for one semester, but uh, it was like an adventure. I wanted to, you know, coming from here to California, then there's a lot of opportunities, there are things happening, and I should try things. So there was uh, another Danish girl on, on, on the, it's called Berkeley Extension. So it's not the university in itself. It's something like where you can take extra courses. Oh, yeah. Um. And she said, Jens, we should do yoga. And I was like, okay, I never tried it. I don't know what it is. But of course, if you say so, I'll come. 
<laughs> and so they had to. It's a situ is this a gym? situation where it would help with the love making? Is it one of these kinds of things? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, okay. no, no, no. She was just. It was. It, we were just because we were from the same, same country. country. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I went there. It was in the gym, like. So it was kind of like if you were in, enlisted at the university or enrolled in the university, then you could just go there, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was surprised. Everybody looked relaxed and calm, and I was sweating like crazy. I could not do anything. Yeah. And I looked around, and I was like, is it over soon? Or <laughs> No, but afterwards... <laughs> but, but afterwards, I felt, I remember I had my bicycle in Berkeley, and I was flying through town, no? mm. ah. and I was so happy, and I was so, wow, I feel great. So after that, uh, you know, I checked the schedule, when is the yoga classes, and then I was checking with my own schedule, and then I would just plan accordingly and took all the yoga classes I could get for the rest of the semester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, and then I came back here. There was not really any yoga here. Uh, there was some of the yoga from back in the 70s and the 80s, but I, I missed this dynamic. I missed the feeling of that I was challenged and I was sweating and I was, I don't remember who worked with the breath, but but because it was not a stanka yoga, it, I don't know what, but some kind uh, of vinyasa style this, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but but I missed this experience. And then I just kept going around here and I started to work as a business consultant and uh, through this organization I worked for, there was a gym that they had a, a, a deal with to become member for very, you know, as part of your, uh, your work. Mm -hmm. um, and there were two young girls and they were teaching what they called power yoga and they had been on some conference in America and so I joined this class, I liked it very much. I also did the what do you call spinning, like on the bicycle yeah, inside yeah. spinning, yeah. So I would do that first and then do yoga after. So so I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, you know, excited. <laughs> You're warming up for the yoga. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end I took all the yoga classes and uh, I was happy about it. And one of them, Ina is her name. She went to the first workshop with Lino here in Copenhagen. She came back. She was excited. Yeah. And then from there, I also kept going to the to those workshops. Mm -hmm. And we were a very small group, maybe less than 10 people. And Tim was one of them. No? Mm, Tim Feldman. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I just always liked the practice. I liked what it did to me. It made me feel good. It made me clear in the head. No, mm -hmm. yeah. It made me stop thinking because I burned out because of stress. No? So mm -hmm. it made me, uh, it made me being able to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And do you find that and, it still does that today or? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't do intermediate anymore. I'm working very slowly with the, with the, with the backbends. Basically now it's just that I like to feel the heat coming. I like to stretch. It's very good for my back because I've been having back problems. And then I just keep doing it for the flow. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, asking about, of course, I was impressed with all the people who could do a lot of asana like you, oh, how many you are. Yes. 
Mark and uh, that's too much practicing. You know? Yeah, mm. uh, and of course, like when you mentioned Olaf in the Shala, of course you get inspired, and you know, in in, in especially in the beginning, this is a kind of fuel to keep putting energy into the practice. No, mm-hmm. mm. uh, but I guess that at one point there is a kind of transition where maybe the first enthusiasm starts to wear out. Mm-hmm. And then there is a kind of transition where the routine has built and now you, or this is how I felt it. Then it's just that now the routine is so strong that I like to be in that kind of state where I'm relaxed. I still have energy, but I'm not just running around to do all my chores. No, I, something happens on that way. No? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, this is this. So, and, and, and another thing is that, um, from the beginning, I never felt, I'm not saying that it was not there, but I didn't feel the the pressure of some kind of status of which people did many asana and who did few. Uh-huh. I, felt, I felt that if I was on my mat and I did my practice, I was part of the community. I was part of the group. No? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it didn't matter what I practiced. The thing that I practiced meant that I was part of the group. No, so... It was. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever have like ambitions? You or like that feeling of like, oh, I want to, you know, do more, or I want to get this posture. Yeah, yeah, of course, and uh, of course, going to Mysore and uh, seeing all the people, and I like the energy in the shala. The sh- the energy in the shala in Mysore has always been very good for my back, you no. Know? Mm. But I have never been able to push because if I push, my back locks. Yeah, but if I just get focused and with the heat in the shala and the attention, then of course when things start to work, then I hope, okay, now this time, because usually shaji comes, and then when I finally am able to drop down, uh, then he notices that, and then a few days after he will come and help me in pashasana. Uh, and then I take a few more poses, and then I'm always hoping that he comes and give me the next. No? Yeah, always, <laughs> always. Yeah. Never does he thinks it's enough. It's, <laughs> but but of course I, you know, and also in the early days when you know all is coming, of course I was thinking that uh, all is coming also meant that all asana is coming. You know? Yeah, right. yeah, not not everything, <laughs> not not poverty and tragedy. Yeah, you wouldn't include all. that in the all category. But of course, it is included yeah. in the all category. All is coming. Maybe that's an interpretation, no? Yeah, <laughs> everything is coming. Yeah, just take, take everything. Yeah, and now I'm just, uh, I'm just happy for my practice, and uh, uh, of course, now it's three years and three and a half years since I was in last in my soul last time. So the energy goes down, and uh, yeah. the enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, it's you know I'm getting older, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So. Do you have Do you have any secrets on keeping the enthusiasm going? Like because you know we've talked to a lot of people, and even for us, like those yearly trips or you know every eighteen months or whatever to Mysore, really, like you say, kind of you know keeps you motivated, and then you come back and you kind of can practice and fly on that energy for a while. But you know, after two years, three years, I mean, for us, we're coming up almost five years now since we've been in Mysore. You know, what, how do you keep that energy? How do you keep that enthusiasm going? Well, now it's a good thing because I have Lisa. No? Yeah. And then when I go to, to Stockholm, then, of course, I 
I practice in her shala in the morning. That is always to go to the shala. And uh, the thing is that um, when we have been around for a while, then uh, we know people in different places, right? Yeah. And just to get in and you get to talk to the people, then I get into the into the feeling, no? Yeah. And then I like to be on the mat in this way. But if I'm home here, I admit I don't get to do all my practice, no. And then the more I'm also through the lockdown, of course, my practice has been, you know, but I always get on the mat and I always do my junior mascara and then, you know. Yeah. See what happens after that. See what happens after <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and I mean, I was thinking actually in this, I, I, I stopped blaming myself for not doing it. Mm. And I'm just, you know, it's just good to be on the mat, you know, and I like when the heat is coming and I can feel the breath and mm. I feel better after than I did before. Mm-hmm. And the day has started. And I was thinking, you're asking about organization for, for the tour. Mm-hmm. I think the greatest achievement from a professional point of view was that we could run the Shala. Susanna being the teacher, I was the manager, I was teaching beginner classes, and then we would maybe in, in periods where we didn't have many students, maybe we only had three or four assistants or something like that. No? Mm-hmm. So we were able to take care of, let's say, 50 to 100 people per day. Mm, wow. Yeah. And then when Guruji came, we were able to manage to take care of three to 400 people per day. Mm. That kind of flexibility in 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 management or in logistics or whatever that 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 is i still don't understand how we were able to do it but that was impressive no? yeah yeah it's something to be proud of yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure and, and, and of course it's not only me but also the team so many nice people wanted to help and they mm-hmm. all contributed and it's not like you have to have every little detail that you just have to be sure that the main thing is there because then people's own enthusiasm makes them do things the best they can. No? Yeah. Uh... That, that reminds me, one of the, um, the things that I took from California was um, <clears throat> to break up the hierarchy of an organization and to create, um, I call them pods, pods of organization. And so I had pod leaders. And so Robbie was my parking pod leader um, Anne Finstead was my um, registration pod leader. Amberlyn and I were pit boss, which means that we were in charge of putting people uh, on their mat. And we were, the of course, the point. most violent bullies. And so we were, it was natural for us to be in that position where it's natural for Robbie to be in the gracious parking host position. You know, we put people where they could be they could excel. And, um, and then if you were in charge of registration, that was all on you. You didn't need to come to me. You were the boss. And, and so we were, we made all these little, you, there was a harmony was t-shirt pod leader at one point, And she was total boss of, of, of the, of that. And so we had this, um, we uh, they call it a molecularization of organization in California. And so it was, it was a wonderful to see people embrace the organization and embrace the mission with so much enthusiasm. And then you, you let them take charge 
and then they just run with it and there was so so much excitement and it was it was really it's really beautiful to see it see a tour stop take shape all volunteer based yeah yeah it is it is and and, and in this case now I use the worst word professional i mean professional in the way we handle things because of you're very right it's all volunteer based now mm-hmm. It's all based on the people, everybody of us. We want to be part of it. It's important to us. We mm-hmm. we do it from it from enthusiasm, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. But uh, yeah, yeah. I remember we were in New York, 2016, and Eddie were hosting charity, and I was together with uh, Jose and Rafa. No, and we were the the floor managers or yeah. the floor <laughs> managers. <laughs> I, I think we gave the New Yorkers a little bit of uh, European uh, organization. That's right. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. 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 I remember when I... From, Robbie and I were there as students. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I remember that uh, Tom Rosenthal and his wife, they came afterwards and thanked us because the photos, they looked so great. Now the match, they were aligned. It made <laughs> such a big influence on Sharat that he insisted on it. And so that was my job then from that point forward was to make the, the, sh- the photos look nice. <laughs> and, oh, I still hear stories about people who were so mad at me. It's like, I can't believe the way he spoke to me. And Anne Finstead was saying, you know, there's, there's rumors that it's not very nice. It's like, I'm doing what I'm told. They have to do what they're told. So you love a good fascist dictatorship, don't no, you? No, no, no. It was a molecularization <laughs> of organization, as, as I said. Yeah. But, but, but it's an interesting thing because um, you want to welcome people <laughs> and you want to make them feel good. No, yeah, and yeah. you want them to feel that there's space for them. So you have to, in a way, explain to them that, you know, yeah, you know, I just help you with the Mac. You know, we just have to move a little bit here. Yeah. And and then it also means that the class runs more smoothly because Sharati, he can easily see yeah. the, the different people, no? Yeah. Than if it's kind of yeah, that's right. messed up. Messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember because I he's sitting in the front and I'm yelling at people, come, come, you know, like that. And uh he, and it's a kind of a, a feeling of entitlement because he approves and he <laughs> wants me yelling at people. And, and I remember even when I would go to L.A. or New York, he would say, Russell, make the lines neater. You know, Russell, tell them that they can't use their phones. And I said, but shut up. You know, I would say, Parma Guru, I, I will be yelling. He said, yeah, it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's the Guru's privilege to yell, but I understand yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know what we ought to do. No, it's it's like uh, you know, in one way, it's like uh, people should feel welcome. On the other hand, we all have to kind of align into thing. It, the, the the classes work when we are all kind of coming together. No, we're not just individual bubbles flying around that yeah. he tries to manage. No, it's uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I was just thinking this that. Um, what a wonderful, special feeling it is to come together as a group and make something and make a mission happen. And in that's really the sweetest, most lovely thing about going to Mysore is that feeling of community. And yet when we're there in, um, in Mysore, there's this, this added thing, which is the competition 
that we might feel. And I, I often felt this, that there was a kind of, I had a jealousy of the, the able, you know, people who, who had their constitution uh, was such that there was a soft coolness to their flesh, to their spine, to their personality. And I could only ever reach that when I was on quaaludes. <laughs> but otherwise, I was so vicious uh, and competitive that I could never relax. It's all that pitta energy. All that pitta energy and the hot <laughs> sauce. You know, I just, I couldn't get enough onions in my day. <laughs> And I could never, and Andrew would always be, you know, admonishing me like, you need to take less onions. And I can't, I have to, <laughs> but. It smells um, really delightful in our house, as you might imagine. Yeah. No, okay. No. And I just, <laughs> I just feel like sometimes we get in our own way of the practice. And like, if we could just make our minds stop, then we could be like Harmony or, or Mark Yao or Alaya. And we could have this softness to us that we could. We could do fourth series. Like maybe there's still time for us, Jens. Do you think so? I, I think I think my uh... now let me put it in another way. I have a cousin who used to be uh, actually a, a teacher of golf. No? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said to me that he was impressed with me that I started to live as a professional athlete when I was already mid thirties. No? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> you, you do. And, you live uh, as a professional athlete. That's right. No, we, yeah, but this is what we do. No, when we are practicing every day and Full we on. are into the diet and uh, yeah. we are teaching mm -hmm. and uh, no, um, we do all these all this management of our of our body and management of our time, of our sleep and of our rest. Yeah. And, and, and of course, as you said, Russell, in a way, you know, I also had ambitions and I think that ambitions in a way is sometimes uh, a goal to, to direct the energy towards, but uh, I never felt, um, I was just feeling happy about the practice. And of course I was annoyed when my back blocked and especially if I was in Mysore or, you know, I wanted to get the best of it and then things like that happened or often I would have um, constipation problems in uh, oh. in Mysore and that, of course, blocked also. But I never felt, yeah. um, I, I, I didn't feel any anger about it. I was just, uh, and I don't know, maybe it's also because... Um, I was with Susanna, and uh, she is a very nice person, though. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, and uh, to see her practice, uh, I was impressed. And uh, uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. I, co I could imagine that if some people, they, you know, we always experience things from our own point of view. And uh, in a way, it's very difficult to understand if other people, they have a different experience. So... I cannot say it like that because maybe I was always also a little bit privileged to be invited in among the the, the, the people who were going to Mysore regularly, who were practicing regularly. And of course, many of those people were advanced in their practice. No? So I never felt mm -hmm. to be excluded just because I did primary. Can be that if somebody who came and they didn't have these connections, maybe they would feel a different way. But I, I always felt welcomed. I didn't feel any discrimination. 
would I have loved to be more flexible? Would I have loved to have a more <laughs> agile body? Yes. <laughs> On the other hand, um, for me, because it was this that I came from being stressed and burned out, then the first feeling of just feeling joy, finding something that I was like, wow, this I've been looking for for a long time. This, 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 this is still the, then, you know, I, I usually tell my students, I teach a few classes per week, and I usually tell my students, you know, you have a space, you know, and you just have to push a little bit to the boundaries, and then you get more space to move in. You know? Sometimes the space is a little mm-hmm. bit narrow, sometimes you have more space, you no? Know? But I have space, yeah. no? So uh, this kind of, uh, I guess, I developed. And that's, that's the idea. And I, I, a senior student, student once told me this, that uh, the idea is to have boundaries, is to discover them and discover yourself against the boundaries. And so you really are quite lucky when you meet your boundaries. And if if you can't find them, then, you're, then you can just get lost in a kind of field of maya or self-indulgence or ego, because there's, there's no boundary to find. And so there's no learning. Yeah, I had no problems finding my boundaries. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would often, though, feel frustrated because it seemed like I would get close to the prize, close to having, you know, getting a few, quite a few days of week together in a row of doing advanced and getting advanced and feeling things really moving, and then my back would lock. Mm-hmm. And always, as I felt... It just got so close, then uh, I'd be incapacitated for days, yeah. and I couldn't move. Yeah. I couldn't. Sometimes couldn't breathe. Yeah. You know. No, but, but, but that, that's frustrating. Yeah, I, I, this is this is where I get angry. But I get angry at myself because I didn't listen. You know? because yeah. it's like, oh, now it's going, and then I push without being cautious about. Yeah. I actually get here. I got, got here because I was cautious. Now I let go of the cautiousness because I had a dream or an action yeah. and then buck suddenly the shoulder or the neck or whatever. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, I know that. I know exactly that feeling of abandoning caution and going for it. And then like, ah, yeah, here I am, incapacitated. But I also know that... Um, Working with my own back because I had uh, uh, prolapse, not a prolapse, but uh, a bulging disc. No, this is what you call it. No, it's all the pain. Oh, not uh, a prolapse. Yeah. And it went on for, I mean, it's just, you know, actually it didn't move until I accepted that it was something that was not going to disappear. No, then something happens. Mm -hmm. But for sure, I am a much better teacher. After I started to accept mm. my uh, my own injuries, no, I am mm-hmm. much better yeah. in, in in accepting, and I'm much better in this way to to hold people, to uh, yeah. to support, to um, and I'm not afraid to talk about it, no. So uh, and in this yeah. way, yeah. I guess boundaries they disappear. So if if I can put myself in front of other people and try to help them with their practice, then, and I'm not perfect, then nobody else has to be perfect. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a really important, you know, point. It's, 
is that I think this striving for perfection or striving to like have all the asanas look perfect or to be perfect in them, it puts a certain kind of um, expectation on the students. Even if you don't consciously have that expectation, you're exuding that expectation Mm -hmm. or exemplifying that expectation, which people naturally pick up on. And so it creates almost a feedback loop of of kind of pushing and perfection and striving and all of that. And when you have a teacher who doesn't have that expectation or that, um, you know, feeling that they have to be perfect in their own practice or in their own asana, it, it creates more leniency and more allowance and more acceptance and more healing in a way rather than striving for for something to look or feel a certain way you can just allow things to be as they are and, and work with yeah. with what what you have mm. yeah 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 it's a really beautiful point i'm just saying that maybe when we get to that this is where the yoga really starts no <laughs> yeah 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 i think it's 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 interesting i think it's it speaks to the direction that you took in, in your life as a student that you are now studying Indology and uh, cross-cultural studies between um, India and, and your homeland. I think there's something to be said for that translation, like really understanding what yoga is and really understanding what that perspective is. Is it maybe so many of us went there looking to become uh, physically proficient and came back being emotionally stable, hopefully. Does that does that resonate with you? Does it sound like that's what you were you were learning in your studies? Yeah, I am. Um, for many many years, I have been having this idea that I am walking over the bridge. You no, know? I'm coming here from my background in my city. I walk across the bridge to India. Uh, everything is different on the other side. Uh, I learn a little. I remember a little bit from last time I was there, something I understood, something I understood in a wrong way, something is new. I have to find out what it's about. And for every trip, I add a little bit of knowledge and experience to that. I go back across the bridge and now Usually when I come back, I see the development I was in. No, it's like a little bit like the practice. We don't see how far we got into the practice until we get back home and remember how it was. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the same way, I have now, when we had the shala and with the students, then when we came back, then it's like, how do I transform this experience into something that they are curious, no? Oh, so what happened in my soul? Did you have a good time? Blah, 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 blah. And of course, I have the enthusiasm that I can share in the class. But in a way, I have to, to, to transform that experience into something that they can also benefit from. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is a kind of, uh, you know, now my where I make my money today is I call cultural brokering, you know? Cultural broker. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a, what do you say a concept from anthropology about this thing that you cross cultures. No, you 
mediate between cultures. You um, translate cultures, no? So one thing is like oh, desires and needs. Yeah. So yeah. so it's not just the language. Of course, the, the language is a very important part, but we communicate so much more. And sometimes even if, you know, it doesn't work just to find the words in the dictionary and then just say it in another language, there's so much more meaning that has to be conveyed yeah. in order for things to um, just be understood. You know, I say something. Yeah. In which meaning did I say it? No, and then somebody else is translating the words, and it creates a meaning. In yeah. no, this is what I do at the moment, no? and this is comes from, you know, I, I, you know, this goes further back than just from starting yoga because uh, my uncle has lived in Africa for thirty years, and my grandfather was traveling to the Far East more than a hundred years ago. So these stories have always been in my family. You know? yeah. um, but then, um, you know, with the yoga, uh, we were hosting Jayasri and Arasimhan from, from Mysore. And then we were like, uh, whoa, it could be interesting maybe to make a connection to the university here in Copenhagen. And so the professor at the university, he invited us to bring Jayasi and Asimha there. And then they Amazing. had a Sanskrit class. Uh, Jayasi, she did her normal thing, you know, with the, you know, she has the song and she plays with the fans. Kukucha, kukucha. And then we got acquainted with the professor and... Um, then we invited him for a retreat. Uh, Elena Domatin from uh, Domatin from uh, Milano was with us, and we were doing chanting classes. The professor came by with his wife, and I guess they were impressed that suddenly we were 50, 60 people chanting mantras. No, because usually right. at university the the Sanskrit and Indology classes are very small. I mean, I'm the last student. <laughs> I'm the last student. They closed the studies after, no? Wow. Oh, my goodness. And so the professor started to say to us, oh, but you should learn a little bit of Sanskrit because you... And and how we meet yoga in Mysore, Guruji, Sharaji, and also with Lakshmish, we are getting a very thorough introduction to what yoga is about in the classical meaning of it, right? Yeah. So already from having a few Sanskrit classes with Lakshmish and going to Jayasi and Asimha, there was already this, oh, I would like to learn some more. I would like to find out. And then the professor said first to Susanna that she should come and, and take the, the Sanskrit classes. She enrolled. She thought it was one semester. Then it turned out that it was three years, but she kept going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I avoided the Sanskrit classes, but I took... You know, if you get an exam in Indology, there is both the actual study of the language, but there's also all the philosophy and the history. And those classes in the beginning were just without Sanskrit. Of course, you would be better qualified if you. So I took the other. So at one point, yeah. I had to enroll. They uh, said to us, oh, uh, or the professor said, um, I think you should enroll because then I can give you a degree. No, otherwise we were just following the classes, paying for them. You can do this here in Copenhagen. No, you can go to university, you pay, you can take exam, but you don't get a degree until you are enrolled. Right. Um, so 
eventually we send them the applications. Susanna was rejected because it's oh. too late. <laughs> I was rejected because they said my English was not good enough. So oh, I got wow. a little bit angry because, you know, I had been to Berkeley, I had been taking the TOEFL test, and, and I, no, don't. So next year I applied again. Uh, and you can apply in group one or group two. Group two is if you have practical experience, no? And then it means that the faculty is going to evaluate who gets accepted into to the program. No? And mm -hmm. we went there and uh, talked a little bit before, and they said, you write like this, you write like this, and we both did. Then Susanna was disqualified because of... Uh, she has a high school diploma in, in the classical languages of Latin and Greek. So she has great, she's great, what do you say, preconditions or preparation yeah. for, for, for studying Sanskrit, no? Um, yeah. And so they chose me. And I was like, but I really didn't mean to enroll to university again. I was okay. <laughs> Uh, but, but but now you know they they took me and then they said okay but then Susanna can take some courses in Danish and then she can then we pick her next year no? so how could I say no to the professor so I had to study <laughs> so this is how oh, I got goodness. in no? <laughs> and then that's so funny <laughs> you ended up in university by accident yeah <laughs> Just That's because fantastic. I was proud, just because I was hot-headed. No, don't tell me that my English is not good, and then I ended up there. No. <laughs> now, yeah. now you have a master's degree. Yeah, yeah. An unintentional master's so degree. So how would you broker a relationship between cultures? What, is, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, at the moment, of course, I'm specialized in India. No? And, and, mm -hmm. and there is a huge... Um, there has been a huge development here in Denmark between the, the Danish government and the Indian government about uh, uh, wind energy and renewable energies and uh. all kind of cutting carbon emissions and all these things. Uh, so there's a huge interest in Denmark to try to make business in India. Uh, mm. And so what I'm doing at the moment is that... Um, I work for a Danish company who has a, a production facility in Hyderabad. And uh, mm -hmm. the owner is uh, a former colleague of mine. And he was asking, say, Jens, uh, I need some help. Um, I have a factory out there. I communicate with them, but things are, you know, I need somebody who can travel regularly. And I know you studied a lot with India. And uh, so I when the corona is not there because man, I've not been able to travel for two months but then I go there and I'm his ears and eyes on the place I uh, communicate mm -hmm. what his plans are what he wants them to do I follow up mm -hmm. uh, and when I get back I communicate back to him what is actually happening so uh, right. uh, oh, that's so in a way that is comfortable for everyone yeah I mean of course it's a little bit stressful to fly back to and from India in, in, in five days and then be fully on when I'm there. But it's interesting. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, comfortable. I imagine that the way you deliver information to the Danish and the way you deliver information to the, the people of Hyderabad is, is unique 
to those people. You have a way of making them feel comfortable when you deliver information. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like uh, this is the thing, you know. To um, well, if the Indians say one thing and uh, the owner here in Denmark has to understand, then I have to maybe put some extra context. I have to weigh things maybe a little bit different so that I know what he's thinking. So how can I transmit the message of what they are doing? Not just in a simple yes and no, but why is it that things are not the way he thinks that they should be? Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, you know, because you both went to Mysore and India and, you know, yeah. how uh, nothing even... is ever the way you think it should be. <laughs> yeah. 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 And once you know, even going to the post office can can be just an exercise in total frustration <laughs> unless you you start to understand their position and empathize with who they are and and their their situation and their environment and then it's like yeah this is this makes sense and i don't have to be frustrated by this it's my choice to be frustrated i remember when we were applying when we were applying for the special course that sharat was giving and we had to fill out the application and i was in mysore filling out the application for the special course and it says it has to be mailed to the shala and i'm like well i'm one block away from the shala can I just not drop it off and give it to you? Like, here, here's my application by hand. Mm-hmm. No. No, it must be it mailed. It must be mailed. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to walk five blocks yeah, yeah. Get a to sco- the post office. Get a scooter, sweetie. Get a stamp, <laughs> mail the application so it comes back five blocks. Yeah. One block away from my house. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Not, yeah. It is, uh, this is official. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's Indian logic, no? Sometimes, like, yeah, yeah, and, very, and very different. It is about <laughs> equality, madam. Equality, yeah, yeah, equity yeah. for everyone. Yeah, yeah, well, but, but these are just these funny stories. Like, usually, like, uh, there's just you know, the uh, general idea here in Denmark is that Danish companies they have to be patient when they work with India. Of course, they have to do. Uh, but they also have this idea that everything is slow in India. Right. But then when I talk to the Indians, they say about Danish companies that they are very slow in making decisions. Mm-hmm. So, and this is this is interesting because is this just communication or is it different? You know? And uh, mm. one thing for sure is that the relations are very, very important in India. So we have to build relations mm-hmm. all the time. When you have relations, mm. then things they can happen. No? But if you don't have relations, yeah. nothing is happening. That's true. It's true. Yeah, that that relationship is probably primary to mm-hmm. every negotiation, every business transaction, and and it's like even when you go into the store, like the fabric store, rushing car, or jewelry store, any store. <laughs> If you're like a potential customer, oh, let's have chai. You yeah. don't buy anything. You don't talk business till you have the chai. You know, yeah. it becomes like a social engagement. That's and a, right. Like a whole event. And that's why like, you know, you go to the store, you're like, oh, I just want to go and buy a book. You end up in the bookstore, you're at like a show and they're like, oh, let, we're going to have chai. And you're like, yeah. I, I really just want to buy a book and leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, you must have chai. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then and this is you know, a you're super, seeing, this you're is meeting a, children and the whole thing. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is a super lesson in cultural understanding, no? Because mm. if we want to do business with Bashinka, it's not enough to go in and say, I want those mats and I want those bags, and we just ship them here. Here's my address, no? Mm-hmm. We spend time. And you know that it's 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 polite to sit and have the chai when they offer it. No? Mm-hmm. It's way we build a little bit of relation. So when we are back home and they didn't send the things yet, no, then it's easier that they know us when we. Oh, I didn't receive my things. Ah, sir. Ah, okay. I just sent the boy to the post office now. Blah, blah, blah. Then if you know them, you know they will do. If you don't know, yeah, okay, maybe it's somebody else they sent to the post office, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting these cross cultural things. One one thing I noticed is that even with the similar common language, things can be terribly um, terribly different uh, in terms of value. Uh, being in Korea, for example, was as different and foreign as and exotic as being in England. Because in England, I still had to translate what people's values were, and they were very different. You know, I, I very much valued my privacy, uh, as far as my, um, you know, having time alone. Whereas they valued their privacy in terms of what they talked about themselves, which I didn't value at all. It's like I'll tell you anything about myself. Just give me a fucking moment to my uh, alone. <laughs> and so our notions of privacy were very, very different. And then, even in the United States, you know, the the being in New Orleans or being in Chicago, your value of of time is is very different. And it's and it's um, these these cross cultural understandings are are incredibly important to preventing strife because it given even happen in your home between a, a man and a woman your value of, uh, of a particular word yeah can be very different yeah and, and, and you can they, prevent a lot of hostilities w- with understanding sure sure no i and i was thinking that when you were saying that about england that when we think that we are actually close like lisa and i we are from neighboring countries then mm. maybe I'm not that much aware about the cultural difference as if I go to India or if I go to Korea, then my, all my attention is that things are different, right? And, right. And I think that you're very right, Russell, that when we are not aware of that and take those, what you call it, um, uh, 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 like assume... What? Yeah, we just assume it, no, or we are not even aware why we are blind for those differences. We just take it for that's just the way it is. Then we don't Mm -hmm. see the small little difference. This is where the problems usually start. No, right, you take things for granted, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and then it, it takes it takes more time to unravel and to gain understanding, and and sometimes our impatience with this with this understanding. Uh, that creates a strife as well. We're not taking that time to understand each other. I think I think we can see this in politics as well as in our personal lives. Sure, and then this I think that it makes it very interesting to to visit other places, no? Because mm. it, it becomes like a mirror, no? I usually say that yeah. people ask me also if you travel so much to India, are you becoming Hindu? I say. The more I travel to India, the more I find out that I'm Danish, no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just how Danish are you? <laughs> yeah, mm, very. Yeah. Mm. It's it, so you you're with Lisa Lalaire, a friend of the the program. We talked about her already. Maybe we talked to her. We talked to her on the show. <laughs> yes, I heard before. Um, she has um, two massive children. They're giant boys. Is that enough for you? Are you going to have children with her? I don't think it's too late, right? Or is it too late? I think it's too late. First of all, they are young men. Oh, Oh, they're young men. They're not boys. You could, you could get a dog maybe together. I think the Pope though, she, the Pope frowns on that people getting dogs instead of children. So I don't know. Yeah, why would you know? I think they both travel too much to have dogs. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we got a dog. It's a dog's a problem. Um, I look forward to seeing how this um, evolves for you and Lisa. I hope it goes well. But Sweden and Copenhagen are very close together, where she is and where you are. Yeah, I go by train there. It takes five and a half, six hours by train. Oh. See, that's a huge distance. Five and a half, six hours by train? That's a huge distance, yeah. It's not that far. No, you can I, sleep it, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's, it's comfortable. I can read. I can work on the computer. and uh, No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. We are not. I mean, we see each other like twice a month or something like that. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, mm. Perfect. Yeah. So. We're thinking about getting separate abodes so that we can only just see each other twice a month. I'm sorry, we're thinking about that? <laughs> I didn't... It Twice a month is enough for you, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably for... Yeah. Huh. I was not aware of this. It's, uh, it's okay. <clears throat> I'm certainly... I need my personal time. Yeah, so you like your privacy. <laughs> I do like my privacy. I will often uh, lock and close the door. To my little my little escape rooms, so that I can be alone. Mm. That's true. Oh. I I want to thank you so much for being on on the show, um, and thank you for for having sharing these very personal feelings with us. I know that for a Scandinavian that can be that can be difficult, but. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the time that you spent with us. I felt very comfortable. I uh, I hope that I have been saying some useful thing, not just babbling along. But uh, it's been very nice. Well, it's been to really you. interesting and fascinating to hear about your experiences, and so much fun to like recount those tours and what it was like to host the family. And I think you're planning on trying to host her out again in the summer, aren't you? No, you're going to do that again. Yeah, I mean, we have an agreement or... A dream. Say, um, no, but we actually, he puts the dates, wow. no? So we were supposed to, we are supposed to host him here in, in August, oh. but uh, with the current situation, no, there's quarantine yeah. restrictions and it's, tough. it's very yeah. uncertain. Yeah, yeah, it's so uncertain. It's really challenging to know what to do as far as planning any kind of travel still. You'd think that six months and... In- an advance would be enough time, but it's not. No, I mean, usually, you know, I usually start the plan yeah. a year before, you know, when I go yeah. to my show and make the, with him, which dates are you coming, where you're going to go, da, da, da. and then same place, it's okay, yeah, yeah, same place. Oh, but can you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can. Yeah. And then I start, when I get home, I start to book the place, I start to find the apartment, I start to build up who can do this, who yeah. can do that, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
So it's 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 a year planning, but it of course it gets more and more intensive as get we, uh, you know, then you start to make the announcement. Yeah. You get people to sign but off. Then who can know? Da, 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 who can know what things will be like a year from now? That's the trouble. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if we need to cancel, we need to cancel well in advance. Otherwise, there are money we have to pay that I don't. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, it doesn't work if he's gonna be in quarantine before. Yeah, no. He teaches it. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's always the thing. It adds on like the extra ten days or the extra time, right? So, it makes it very difficult to be in a place if you're just on sort of a vacation or a working vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Lisa and I, we were supposed to go to Hyderabad and Mysore here over Christmas and New Year, just for ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had everything planned and everything booked. Uh, I even went to get the the PCR test when you oh, yeah. bought the plane, and we cancelled three days before because suddenly, you know, if we get the uh, tested positive in Dubai or landing in India, then suddenly you end up in some facility and you are stuck there for 10 or two weeks or, yeah. uh, and it's just too much uncertainty. So we, we cancel. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I hear stories about people. I saw a Danish girl flying to, uh, to Sri Lanka. She tested positive. They put her into hospital. They test again after one week. She was negative, and then she can fly back home. <laughs> yeah, nice vacation. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a lovely hospital, actually. Wow. Our friend, I think our friend Chuck is, has been stuck there yeah. for a year or two. You know Chuck Sigalis? Sigalis, yeah. Chuck from Jersey. Yeah. I think yeah. he's still in India after two years. Stuck. Hanging out. Hanging out. Overextending his visa. Smoking bindis. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I wouldn't do that. No, that's not. Yeah. No. Oh. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much, Jens. It was such a pleasure to have you on really our show is. and to connect with you again. I'm, we hope to come to Copenhagen one of these days. It's, it's on our list. Sure. Anytime. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.